Hello, you're listening to the Stag Student Podcast, recorded for students at St Andrew the Great Church, Cambridge. This week we'll be hearing all about sleep. JT, who recorded this talk three years ago, used to be a student worker here at Stag and is now working out in the Middle East. I hope you enjoy listening. If you fall asleep during this talk, that's absolutely fine. I would just take that as being you applying the talk. You, you just can't, can't, can't contain yourself. You're so eager to apply what you've heard that you drop off here and now. That would be absolutely fine. I worked out earlier, if you're a third year, if you came to Focus and to every service and every student lunch, you would have heard about 192 talks so far. And this is probably the only one that you're allowed to nap through. So enjoy it. Um, sleep is very, very strange. And lots of people have observed that fact uh, for, for years and years. Scientists had no idea why it happened or what happened while we slept. Uh, comedians have kind of riffed on this as well. Um, if we were to observe humans and we were some sort of alien species, we would observe that when it gets dark, humans start moving more slowly, change their clothes, lie on a kind of springy platform enter an almost comatose state in which they're completely vulnerable, oblivious of their surroundings, but having vivid, far-fetched hallucinations within their own minds. And then they suddenly arise from this, go about their day as if nothing happened, and do it all again in 16 hours. It's, It's super weird. And that's only thinking about it biologically. It's quite odd theologically as well. After all, we know from Genesis 1 and 2 that we as humans are made in the image of God. Yet we're made in the image of a God who doesn't sleep. So so God at some point when he was creating us imagined that, well, in fact, not just us, basically all creatures, he imagined that we would do this once a day. We would just completely shut down, make ourselves vulnerable, Uh, to rest and then kind of go about everything afterwards. It's quite odd. So the question arises theologically as well. Why does sleep happen? Why did God make his creatures unlike him in this particular regard? Uh, This afternoon we're considering the question theologically rather than biologically. Um, And of course the timing of this talk coming at the beginning of the exam term is not a coincidence. In the industrialised West, we live in the most chronically sleep-deprived society ever. And that might be particularly acute in Cambridge in the next eight weeks. So the big questions that we'll be looking at this afternoon are, why did God make us as creatures who need sleep? What does sleep teach us about ourselves and about our relationship with our creator? What happens while we sleep? And does God care about how much sleep I get? Is God invested in my sleeping patterns? Does God care about what what I do when I sleep as much as he cares about what I do when I'm awake? Now, I think yes to that last one, otherwise we wouldn't do this talk. Um, But there's basically one overarching point, and then we'll we'll explore it in a couple of different ways. Uh, First heading there, sleep is a daily reminder that we are not God. It's a daily reminder that we're not God. I don't need to tell you that humans sleep. You probably have worked that out already. But it's worth reminding ourselves that God doesn't sleep. If you turn to Psalm 121, it's a song of ascent. So this is a song that people would sing on the way up to Jerusalem. And the psalmist writes, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? 
My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And you might also remember the story of Elijah at Mount Carmel, Elijah versus the prophets of Baal. And Elijah mocks them, saying, oh, perhaps your God is on a journey. Perhaps he's in the toilet. Perhaps he's fallen asleep. Elijah can poke fun at the prophets of a false god because he knows, like the psalmist wrote in Psalm 121, his God doesn't sleep. He never gets tired. He never needs a nap. He's totally self-sufficient. And so our need to sleep is a daily reminder that Psalm 121 is not about us that we can't sustain ourselves, we can't do it all, that we have real limitations. So what does that mean for us? Should we embrace our limitations that we do sleep or should we kind of fight against it, uh, adopt that kind of I'll sleep when I'm dead mentality and just power through? Does it lead to anxiety over whether or not we'll be okay? Sleep is a daily reminder that we can trust God. In fact, we're forced to. Our bodies force us once a day to give up watching over ourselves. Uh, Our bodies give us no option but to either hope for the best or to entrust ourselves to a loving God. If you could open Psalm 127 in front of you, um, this is another song of a sense of Solomon. And we see a few key things in verses one and two. He says, unless the Lord builds the house... The builders labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. So firstly, we see here that our efforts to secure ourselves while we're awake are vain without the Lord. Unless the Lord builds the house, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how many people watch over a city at night. If the Lord isn't defending it, the guards might as well go to bed. And as for your early rising and late bedtimes, well, it's, it's in vain. You worry too much if you think that that by itself is going to secure your success. I prefer other translations of this to the NIV. The ESV has it. In vain you rise up early and go late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. And that's what it feels like sometimes, isn't it? You're just kind of uh, getting each day out of the way, eating the bread of anxious toil. And so first, we saw that we're totally dependent on God. It's pointless to work and work and work and to pretend that we're not dependent on God. And the second thing we see in these two verses is that sleep is a gift of love. End of verse 2 says, he grants sleep to those he loves. Now, this isn't to say that God doesn't love the insomniac. Um, I did listen to one talk while I was preparing this where the guy got pretty close to saying, if you're not sleeping well, that's a sign that God doesn't love you. That, That is utterly false. We did Romans 8 on Tuesday. Nothing separates the Christian from the love of God, not even insomnia. But... We do see that sleep is a gift of love. 
It's a gift of love that God invites us to trust him. He invites us to stop looking after ourselves and invites us to trust him to look after us, trust him to watch over us when we can't look out for ourselves. It's a gift of love that is an invitation out of anxiety and into trust. I wonder if you've ever thought about that before, before you go to bed, that sleep can be a deliberate act of faith in God. For the Christian, sleep is not just an act born out of biological necessity, but an act born out of faith in a loving God. And if that sounds too strong, uh, just remember David's situation when he writes Psalm 3. In Psalm 3, he's worrying about even more than a deadline. He's fleeing from his son who's trying to kill him. And uh, in the middle, verses 4 and 7... He's been crying out to the Lord, and then he says, I lie down and sleep. He decides to have a nap. The first act of faith was crying out to the Lord in the first place. He prayed. He committed his anxieties to the Lord. And then once he'd done that, his second act of faith was to make a mug of Horlicks, put on his pyjamas, and go to bed. How could you better demonstrate your total confidence in the Lord's protection, in the Lord's provision, than stopping your striving, saying a prayer, and going to sleep? I think the same is true of us. Sleep can be a perfect way of declaring our trust in the Lord on a daily basis. As you get in from the library, you put the books away, you say a prayer, and you trust the Lord with the rest, that he will look after you, and he will give you everything you need. Trusting the Lord frees us from slavery to anxiety, trying to control every circumstance of our lives. Flick over to Deuteronomy 5, if you would, for our next thought on this. Uh, You'll be familiar with the Ten Commandments from Exodus, I'm sure, Um, but did you know they were given again in Deuteronomy? We get the Ten Commandments a second time round in chapter five. Now, there's a subtle difference in the fourth commandment. So the fourth commandment is the commandment about the Sabbath, about taking a day of rest once a week. And we won't get into discussions about the Sabbath now, though, if you want to ask about that in the Q&A, that's fine. Um, but it's a commandment about rest, so I think there are some applications for sleep as well. In verses 13 to 15... He says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son, your daughter, your male or female servant, your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So in Exodus, you might remember that uh, Israel were commanded to take a day of rest because God rested when he finished creating in Genesis. But here, rather than it being a command to remember creation, they're told to remember their redemption, to remember their freedom. It may sound pretty weird to us that the Israelites ever broke this commandment. They had a really difficult time keeping the Sabbath. Given their history, you'd think that would be the one that they could definitely do. Because God is saying, do you remember, you used to be slaves. 
You used to work, I don't know, 16, 18 hours a day, seven days a week. You had no say in it, no breaks, and then I rescued you, so I'm commanding you, take one day off a week, because you're not slaves anymore. Don't act like you're still a slave when you're not. See, it's baffling that the Israelites didn't rub their hands together with glee that God was commanding them to have a weekend. And while we're not under the law, we're under grace, uh, I think there's a principle that does carry through. Because we live in a frantic and fast-paced, industrialised society, and it's really easy to get sucked in and enslaved by that approach to life. So taking a deliberate step to rest and to go to bed, well, sleep can be almost an act of protest, an act of defiance against the demands of the world, a way of living out your identity as one who's been set free by Jesus Christ, an act of faith in Jesus' promises to look after you. Faith in Jesus, who according to Hebrews 1, is the one who sustains all things by his powerful word. Jesus, who in Colossians is described as the one in whom all things hold together. He sustains the entire universe all day, and we can trust him to keep it going for another eight hours while we sleep. Sleep is a daily reminder that we can trust in the Lord. But some of you may rightly ask, shouldn't we still be working hard? We do still have exams and dissertations. Sleeping around the clock in faith sure sounds like a nice idea, JT, but surely we must still work. Indeed, we must. Um, And so while my instinct is that this time of year, most of us will probably lean more towards overworking and undersleeping, just in case anyone who has really um, extravagant lies in feels that they're inherently more sanctified than the rest of us, um, we'll consider the other side of the coin. The final point I just want to briefly consider is that sleep is a way of preparing us to serve God. The Bible is unashamedly pro-hard work. Thinking about Colossians 3, 23, we see, which which, uh, we won't flick to now, but you can just make a note of that. Paul there was encouraging Christian slaves to work hard, work with all their heart in all that they do, because it is the Lord Jesus Christ that they are serving. So we keep these proverbs in mind as pointers that give us pointers on on behaviour that pleases the Lord, how all our hard work can be directly serving Jesus himself. And then all of a sudden, if we bear that in mind, there, there becomes an opportunity to live joyfully for the Lord, even when the alarm clock goes off and light comes streaming through the curtains. One writer describe the moment that the alarm clock goes off as that heroic minute. And it can be that when it goes off and we think it's another opportunity, another day to wake and serve the Lord God with all that we have, to love and serve Jesus in our essay writing and our supervisions, to love and serve Jesus through the CU or at church, to love and serve Jesus by loving your neighbours, to love and serve Jesus by loving and serving your brothers and sisters. And sleep is important because if we don't sleep well, then we won't be able to serve well. Now, I'll take a quick moment here to say that I know that some of you uh, probably really struggle with sleep. Uh, So please don't hear what I'm saying as some sort of uh, comment on your ability to serve. It's, it's, It's not at all. And in fact, for you, it might be even more of a significant sacrifice 
to serve through exhaustion because of poor sleep, but to still give of yourself for the Lord Jesus out of love for others and love for him. But for the majority of us in most normal circumstances of life, it's true that we do need sleep in order to serve each other well. If you know that you stay up late too often, that you'll be ineffective in your work, half-hearted in your prayers and devotion, if you, if you know that if you have too many late nights, you'll be lethargic in your relationships, and some of us cope better with a lack of sleep than others. But if that's you, then it could be that the godliest thing that you could do today, perhaps one concrete application of this talk, is to have a hot bath on an early night. D.A. Carson puts it like this, if you're among those who become nasty, cynical, or even full of doubt when you are missing your sleep, you are morally obliged to try to get the sleep you need. And so hopefully we can walk this tightrope. It's a great comfort in the Christian life that we can get up in the, uh, in the morning, work heartily for the Lord, honour him in all that we do, and then lay our heads on our pillows at night and entrust all that we've done back to him. And sleep is the beginning and the end of that. It prepares us for a day of service in the Lord's work. And then it's a gentle reminder that the Lord will carry on that work when we can't. Let's look quickly at Mark 4, 26 to finish. Um, and we see this even in the big life and death matters of the kingdom of God. Uh, this comes just after the parable of the sower in Mark. Uh, Mark 4, 26. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or get up, gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces corn, first the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the corn is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Even in these vital gospel kingdom of God matters, it's always God who is at work. The seed is scattered, we rest, and we know that all of the growth belongs to the Lord. Our Father, we thank you so much that day after day you provide everything we need, that uh, for those eight or so hours that we're asleep, you keep everything going, that Jesus Christ upholds everything by his powerful word. We thank you for your provision. We thank you that you remind us day by day of your, your sovereignty. We pray that more and more we would sleep to your glory as well, that we would commit ourselves to your, uh, your loving care. And we pray also if, if uh, there are many among us who really struggle with sleep, that um, they would be able to go away and pray. We pray that you would give them a good night's sleep tonight, that you'd help them to get into good habits and patterns. We pray that you would um, help them to entrust themselves to you more and more every day. In Jesus' name, amen.